Thank you, David. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Aubrey, for leading us. Thank you, choir. Thank you, orchestra, for leading us so well this morning as we gather to worship a living and resurrected Jesus Christ. And um, at this time, those that are interested in children's worship for elementary age kiddos are invited to gather outside of the sanctuary in the foyer and to go with Mr. David and our other children's workers down to our children's worship space. As Kevin mentioned earlier, next Sunday is the 4th of July, significant day in our nation's history, a significant day for us as citizens of this nation. And next Sunday, we'll gather for, for worship. We'll gather to worship uh, the resurrected Jesus Christ. And as he mentioned, we'll gather uh, for corporate worship only in our 1045 worship hour. So we will have Sunday school or life groups at 930 as usual and then 1045 uh, worship together with communion next Sunday. And uh, that will also mean that we won't have children's worship. We won't do children's worship on first Sundays as we have communion together as a body of Christ. But let me also encourage uh, you families uh, and uh, of all ages, regardless of your situation or circumstance, to join us once again this Wednesday night as we have our third week of uh, family fun together. We've had uh, a family trivia night. We've had a family movie night. This week we're going to have a family Olympics night at 6 o'clock. And all are invited. We want you to come and be part of this time together as we have fun in the name of Christ and then encourage one another uh, as far as what it means to follow Christ together. But let me invite you to open up God's Word with me to Exodus today. We're in Exodus chapter 40 today, and today we are going to conclude uh, our Exodus journey. And so if you've been with us, uh, we've been uh, trekking through this portion of the Bible, this book of the Bible, for an extended season. And by conclude, uh, I don't mean end it, uh, right, because this story is our story. In fact, uh, it's, it's God's story. It's God's story of rescuing a people who are in bondage to be His people, to know Him and to live for Him. And as we've seen, as we, as I hope we've seen and as I hope we see this morning, Exodus, the story of Exodus, points us to our liberator, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when I say conclude, I really mean we're wrapping up this chapter of God's great story. And what happens on the last page of this chapter is is really good. I mean, all along, if you've been following uh, through this journey, there, there have been highs and there have been lows. Even, even just considering the people that we've been reading about, the, the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, we've uh, read about these people who have been an, an oppressed people, but also an obstinate people, right? An, an obedient and worship worshiping people, but also a grumbling and idolatrous people. And now, a repentant people who've turned away from their idolatry and who have turned back to the Lord. A people now committed to following this God of all glory who came to their rescue and led them out of oppression, who led them out of, of bondage and is leading them onward to the promised land. And so if you've been paying attention, you may have noticed that we've skipped from the end of chapter 34. We completed all the way through chapters 1 through 34, and now we're leaning into the end of the story, the, 
the final chapter, chapter 40. We've not read and unpacked those chapters, 35 to 39, because they're an almost verbatim repeat of God's instructions concerning building the tabernacle that he's already given to Moses. And so it, it reads something like this. The first go round, uh, God gives the instructions. He says, bring an offering, right? He says, uh, make, uh, uh, make an altar for a burnt offering. Make a table, make a lampstand, on and on and on. And then we come to chapter 35 and following the second go round, and we read things like the people obey the instructions. They, they bring an offering. They make a table. They make an altar. And on and on. So what's the point of the repetition? Well, I think it's this. I think the Bible, I think God in his word is making absolutely clear for us that the people did exactly as God commanded. In fact, in these final two chapters, chapters 39 and 40, 20 times the Bible says Moses and the people did as the Lord commanded them 20 times the the building is complete it's put together and the bible says in chapter 40 verse 33 and so moses finished the work so pause right there for just a moment let that sink in think about this so in this story god said build me a sanctuary Right? Build me a house and I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell among you as my people. Now, at this point in the story, that house is built. That sanctuary is built. A.K.A. the, the tent of meeting, as it's sometimes called, is, is now complete. It's done. Bezalel and Aholiab, remember those guys and all the skilled workers, did it. It's done. So what's going to happen next? Will God dwell among them. Well, the glory of the Most High God, the one of whom we just sang, is our refuge. He is mighty. He's a dwelling place. He's magnificent. Will this one, will the God of all glory come down to camp on earth among his people? Well, let's find out. Let's hear how this story concludes. I invite you, would you join me standing for a moment as we read the words of the Most High God. Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Would you bow with me? Father, this morning we just acknowledge that This is your word. This is your story. This is your revelation to us. Father, lead us now, guide us now that we might rightly understand it, that we might believe it. Father, so that we might know and live for you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. So the glory of the almighty God, the Glory of the Lord, we read here, comes down. I mean, can 
Can you imagine the scene? Can can you imagine Moses and and all the people standing back and, and waiting to see what's going to happen? They've completed the project. They've done what the Lord has told them to do. And now they're waiting to see what is going to happen next. Friends, we can only imagine. But even so, our imagination falls grossly short. For God is infinitely more glorious than we imagine. God is infinitely more glorious than we Imagine, what what do we mean when we say that God is glorious? To say that God is glorious is to say that he's the most important person in existence anywhere at any time. In fact, in the original language of the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the word for glory essentially means heavy, weighty, and refers to importance. God's glory is his intrinsic worth. And it's it's his value, it's his importance, it's who he is. In fact, previously in the story, in this journey, when Moses prayed, please God, show me your glory. He's saying, show me the real you. Moses was saying, God, God, I want to see the unfiltered, I want to see the, the uncensored version of you. And of course, Moses and the people have had glimpses of this along the way. They've had glimpses of God's glory throughout their journey. The burning bush, right? Parting of the waters. What is the Red Sea? The thunder and lightning up on top of the mountain. The pillar of cloud and the first tent of meeting where Moses would go outside of camp and meet with the Lord. But now something surprising happens. God's glory fills this new tent. And Moses could not enter. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Access denied. Not even Moses can go in. I mean, here's the man. Here's a man who knew God better than anyone in his day and he he can't go in. See, sin still separates. And only when sinners approach the Lord through the blood of a suitable sacrifice will they be welcomed in. And so hence, in the story of God's word, following Exodus is the book of Leviticus. Beginning to unpack what that means. What are these sacrifices? Why are they to be offered? When are they to be offered? How are they to be offered? See, God is infinitely more glorious than we even imagine, making him worthy of worship and reverence and awe. So church, let's worship this God. Let's join in worshiping him. Let's join in praising him and exalting him, the one who is worthy of our praise. I mean, picture Moses, picture this man and the priests and the elders of Israel and all the people standing back in awe of God's glory manifested in the cloud that's now covering the newly constructed tabernacle in the center of their camp. The almighty God who lives in unapproachable light. That's what the New Testament, that's what Paul says about this God. He lives in unapproachable light. This one has come down and he's come down in such a way as to reveal his his glory. This is a call to worship. A reminder that we cannot put 
God in a box, tied up with a neat bow as if we got him all figured out. He's lofty and splendid. He's holy and magnificent. On one hand, this is the doctrine of God's transcendence, meaning his otherness. Right? The nature of God as distinct from and outside of his creation. He's worthy of worship, so let's worship him. He's transcendent. But get this, he's, he's not just transcendent, he certainly is transcendent, but he's also imminent. He's near. At the very same time, he's near, he's other and outside, and yet he's near to us. He's near to his, his people. God's near to his people because he desires to be known by them, to be in relationship with them. Friends, God is infinitely more glorious than we imagine, and yet God desires a relationship with us more than we dare to believe. He's other, he's transcendent, he's glorious. He's more weighty and important and magnificent than anyone else in existence, past, present, or future. And yet, he desires a relationship with us more than we even believe, more than we dare to believe. You see, God didn't just rescue the enslaved Israelites and then dump them off in the wilderness. That's not the way he did this. He didn't even just rescue them in order to punish their oppressors. No, he rescued them to be in relationship with him. He said, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. He says, I'm going to dwell among you. I'm going to shine the light of my glory and grace to the nations of the world through you. I'm in relationship with you. He saves us so that we might experience the joy of knowing him. So God came down. He came down in a cloud so the Israelites would know he was with him. When they looked at the tabernacle, they would know God was in the house. The cloud was there. He saved them. He would lead them because he loved them. And the same church is true for us. God desires a relationship with us more than we dare to believe. So let's trust him. Let's trust this God. He is mighty and magnificent and splendid, and yet he loves us. He's trustworthy. Let's trust him incredibly. He has our good. He has our best interest in mind. Right? Let's trust him for he's faithful. He's he's glorious, set apart, incomparable, distinct, and he's good. He's loving. He's merciful. He's faithful, committed to those whom he rescues. The God of all glory is good. Right? We see his character in Exodus. But church, how much, how much more so do we see his glory and his grace and his commitment to us in Jesus? Paul would say it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He's, he's referring to Exodus. He's, he's recalling the story of Exodus and Remember that story that we read a few weeks ago of Moses encountering the presence of God and radiating the glory of God. His face would shine as he spent time with the Lord. Paul is alluding to that that text and he's saying, what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. What was glorious in that day doesn't even compare. That's what Paul is saying to what has now been revealed, what is 
now been made known through Jesus Christ. Paul says the glory of the old covenant, that is the glory God revealed in this priestly and tabernacle system and sacrificial system, doesn't compare to the glory of the new covenant. For the glory of this covenant, the covenant of Jesus Christ, lasts forever. From the time of Christ and on in to the age to come, God shows us His glory and His grace, not only in Exodus, but in Jesus. Shows us His glory and His grace in Jesus. I mean, we, we say this sort of thing, right, don't we? All the time in church. We've grown so accustomed to this language, but perhaps we've grown too used to it. Too comfortable and unimpressed with the vocabulary that's used to describe the God of the Bible. I mean, the scriptures say that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Friends, the one who descended upon the tabernacle in the desert of Sinai, in this ancient Distant feeling story with a thick cloud preventing Moses. Yes, even Moses from entering has now descended in the person of Jesus Christ. And all who are now in Christ are invited to enter in, to enter in, to come on in and commune with the most high God, the one who is infinitely more glorious than we imagine and who desires a relationship with us more than we dare to even believe. Church, we're invited We're invited, we're called, we're invited to behold the greatness and the grace of this God and the person and the life and the ministry and the death and the resurrection and now the reigning of Jesus Christ. We're we're invited to run into the very presence of the Most High by faith in Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of glory. He's the Lord of all glory. He's trustworthy in everything and He's worthy of our worship now and Always, he's the one who was and who is and who is to come. He's the Moses of our salvation. He's the lamb of our Passover. He's the sacrifice for our sins. He's the way out of our Egypt. He's the path to a better country, the bread of heaven, the voice from God's mountain, the light on the lampstand, the altar of our burning, the basin for our cleansing, the high priest who is now interceding for us and the blood on the mercy seat, spilled for us so that we could be reconciled to this God. Oh, church, see God's glory and grace in Jesus. Through Jesus, we see the glorious nature of our God, and through Jesus, we see God's deep desire for a relationship with us, a relationship with us that will last forever and ever and ever, forever in another land. A a heavenly home, a promised land for which we long, a place flowing with milk and honey, so to speak, a place of no sickness, sorrow, death, or pain, a place of perfect provision in the presence of the God of glory, a paradisical place with Jesus for whom we long. Do you long for him? Brother, sister, do do you long to be with him? Maybe long for him. But you know, until then, we wait. We wait here. Like the Israelites waiting on God to lead them to their promised land. We, we wait. And while we wait, we worship. We worship and we trust 
We trust in the one for whom we wait. We worship and we trust the one who is our guide. Friend, do you know the guide? Meadowbrook, do, do you know the guide? We, we may not see a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Oh, how we would like to, but he's with us. He's with us. He's guiding us. He's telling us when to set out and when to stay put. He's instructing us and comforting us and teaching us. He's our guide and the Holy Spirit is his name. Friends, God gives us his spirit to guide us forever. The God of all glory is with us. Meadowbrook is with us and he's guiding us. He's among us even now. Right now. He was with you, believer, when you went to bed last night. He watched over you while you slept last night. He was with you when you woke up this morning. He's with us in this sanctuary right now. He was with Kay and the rest of the team in Appleton, Wisconsin last week. And he was with Austin and our Memphis team this past week. He'll be with us as we gather this afternoon and go into our community. We're going in his name, trusting him to work according to his plans and purposes in us. And brothers and sisters, he'll be with us to the very, very end. He's the spirit of Christ, promised to us by Christ, working on us and residing in us that we might grow in knowledge of and love for Christ. He's the fulfillment of our Savior's promise when he said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friend, if you know him, if you have faith in him, if you've turned from sin and to him, then the God of all glory is with you and will be to the very end. Friends, praise God. Through our travels and troubles, the God of glory will be with us. What do we see? What do we learn from Exodus 40 verses 34 through 38. In fact, the whole story of Exodus, we learned that through our travels and our troubles, whatever they may be, and for however long they may be had in this life, through our travels and our troubles, the God of glory, the God who was with Moses, the God who came down in the tabernacle, this God will be with us. He's with us. As we journey through our wilderness, He's there. As we face triumphs and tragedies, He is There, as we suffer and as we celebrate, God is there. We may not see him, but we put our trust in him, for he has never forsaken us. He's remained faithful to us always, despite our faithlessness. In a word, he's committed. God is committed to his people. Church, he's committed to To you, if you're his, he'll never abandon you. If you're his, he'll keep chasing after you. If you're his, his love is unfailing for you. Through our travels and our troubles, the God of glory will be with us. So friends, if there was ever a God worth serving, this is the one. He's the only one. 
And he's a good one. This is the one. He's the only one more glorious than we imagine, more gracious than we deserve, worthy of our worship and trustworthy every single step of our days. Let's follow this God. Let's follow him. Would you follow him? Can we follow him? Let's follow this God. Let's follow the God of the Exodus. Let's follow the God of Jesus Christ. Let's follow the God of scriptures, the only one. Let's follow him. You can follow him and he wants you to follow him. He invites you and I to follow him. Let's follow him. Let's follow the God of all glory, the three in one king of all kings and Lord of all lords, whose name is matchless and whose mercy never, ever ends for those who are his. Are you one of his? Do you know that you're one of his? Are you following the God of all glory? You see, one day, one day our travels and our troubles will end. And on that day, an even greater glory will be revealed. The glory of the Lord Jesus Christ at his return. He's coming. He said he's coming. The word says he's coming. He's coming again. And for those who are his, what a glorious day his coming will be. Are you one of his? Are you one of his? Are you following the God of all glory? Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Let me beckon you. Follow this God of glory. You can follow him. You can be right with him through faith in his son, our savior, the one who now reigns on high, Jesus Christ. Are you following him? Put your faith in him and follow Christ today. And oh God, help us to do so. Lord, help us to do so even now. Lord, help us to trust you, to put our faith in you. Help us to follow after you. Lord, we want to acknowledge this morning, we need to acknowledge this morning that you are majestic, Lord, that you are incomparable and set apart. There's no one like you. Father, you're the most important person in existence at any time and in any place. And yet you are near to us, Lord. You've come down to tabernacle among us in Jesus, Father, Son of the eternal God and our Savior. Father, help us to put our our faith in Christ. But lead us to follow after Christ. And Father, guide us by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God. Even now, Father, we acknowledge that there are some this morning that are gathered here that are dealing with big decisions. Father, perhaps a weighty decision even today that's weighing on them. And Father, they don't know where to turn. Father, we... Also acknowledge there there are some dealing with big decisions to be made this week or this month. And Lord, we want you to lead us in all of those. You are our guide. Lead us that we might follow after you. Until Christ, our King and Savior, returns. Amen.